this podcast. I have bad words because my daddy says words like and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Welcome to the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads, where dads talk about life, kids, and stuff. We are your hosts. Galan. Joe. And I am John. And guys, we're pretty excited today. Yes. I'm back. Yes, because Joe is back <laughs> in the saddle again. It's true, That's man. Right. The, those stomach bugs are no joke. It's uh, uh, Somebody texted me and said, I was wondering where uh, you were on the last podcast. And I went, oh. Too many warm, tall so, boys. Yeah. Yeah, that, totally. That's clearly what it is. No, yeah. we have a special guest with us today. His name is Jonathan Horton. You might know him. Here's a couple stats. He's the 2008 Olympic silver medalist on high bar, bronze medalist on the team competition, the 2008 U.S. Men's Gymnastics Athlete of the Year, and a three-time American Cup all-around champ, won the 2010 World All-Around Bronze Medalist, and as we know, he is a father. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Pumped to be here. Yes, this is cool. Right on. We're excited. Yes, so we're going to talk to Jonathan about kind of We've got in these series of episodes, so this week and next week, we're going to be talking to him this week about his upbringing in gymnastics, kind of what got him his start, how his parents helped his parents helped him get started and kind of guided him through his career. And then in the second part, we're going to be talking about how that has influenced him, how he's made the transition to American Ninja Warrior, and how he is parenting his children today. So stick around, and it's going to be good. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here. We're the Detox Podcast, and we've got Mr. Jonathan Horton. Thank you for coming along. <laughs> in case you forgot what you were listening to in the last 30 seconds. Hey, you know, brand recognition, <laughs> as Galan said a while ago. Brand okay. recognition. Okay. I can already tell I'm going to enjoy hanging out with <laughs> you guys. <Yeah. laughs> and feel free to make fun of us. Yeah, I will. You see the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I will. Knock it out of the park. Yeah, it's, it's great. So uh, let's kind of start at the beginning and just kind of what made you interested in gymnastics? All right, I'm going to tell you the most ridiculous story you've ever heard. I swear I have not edited edited this for your entertainment purposes, okay? okay? True story. So when I was four years old, first thing is I was a wild kid. I was just crazy. And uh, as you probably can tell, I'm also not the tallest guy around. I'm five foot one on a good day wearing boots. Um, and my mom is four foot seven. Okay, so okay. she's really okay. tall too. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she, both of us, like combined, we just have a lot of energy. Like take all of your energy and then all of your family's energy together, and we have more. Sure. Okay. So I'm crazy. She's crazy. She takes me shopping at a Target department store one day, and I used to be on a leash. She had me on a leash most of the time. <laughs> okay. Nice. This one day, I guess she was like, "I'm just gonna shop real quick. I'm gonna run to this Target. I'm not gonna put him on a leash." Bad, like, big mistake. So I take <laughs> off. She loses me in this target, oh, okay? And with how crazy she is, she loses her mind. <laughs> and the in a matter of, like, five, ten minutes goes by. No one can find me. Finally, the entire store is searching for me. Oh, my God. And I'm four. I'm only four years old. I was going to say, you're 15 at this no, point? No, yeah. <laughs> so this was last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
So <laughs> she is losing it. So everyone pitches in to help. I'm talking the staff, the other shoppers. They actually, like 15, 20 minutes goes by. Still nobody can find me. So they end up locking the store down. They called the police. They called the fire department. They thought I was kidnapped. And finally, the manager came up to my mom and said, ma'am, calm down, calm down. I found your son. And he stuck his finger up in the air, and he pointed straight to the ceiling. He said, he's up there. What? Oh, wow. Apparently, there was a giant support beam about 25 feet to the <laughs> ceiling. I wrapped onto it, like bear hugged this pole, and there wasn't a ladder on this thing. I climbed it to the ceiling. You just like mowgli up it. Yeah, I was all the way. <laughs> I was all the way at the top of this pole in the middle of this target, and when everybody saw, they were like shocked. Like, how is this little kid holding onto this pole? And uh, you know, I was just chilling up there. Like, what? This isn't normal. And so, um, and they actually, the fire department came in. They're about to set up a ladder. Like, I was a freaking cat stuck in a tree. <laughs> were they trying to talk to you? Like, come down? Or yeah. Were they just and so, as they were about to set up the ladder, I slid down. And I was like, what? And so <laughs> that's awesome. My my mom went home that night and told my dad all about it. My dad's my dad's exact words were, "Wow, our son's a freak." <laughs> <laughs> Encouraging words. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Let's enroll him in gymnastics." And so they put me. They actually enrolled me the very next day into oh, wow. a gymnastics facility, and wow. I loved it. I mean, from that's day awesome. one, like swinging on the ropes and the rings and the high bars, playing in the foam pits. Yeah, it was just a perfect match. That's what awesome. an awesome moment of recognition by your parents yeah. or whatever to realize that, that oh, man, he would probably be awesome at this. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it was really cool. Um, I was sponsored by TD Ameritrade back in 2011 and 12, and uh, they made a commercial about me. And uh, you can actually watch it on YouTube. Just type in Jonathan Horton TD Ameritrade commercial, and it's Matt Damon's voice narrating. And he's talking <laughs> about when Jonathan Horton was four years old, he climbed a pole where most parents would have gotten mad. Jonathan's parents enrolled him in gymnastics, and then they show me swinging on the high bar at the Olympic Games, landing my dismount, and it's like super cool commercial. And yeah, I was like, who would have awesome. thought at the age of four, right. this stupid kid climbing this <laughs> pole and his mom freaking out in the middle of the store would have come to this. It was really, wow. really cool. That is really good because there are there are a lot of parents that would just see that and just shut it down and say, you're not following instructions, you're not listening, whatever. But it, yeah, like to what John said, it's a good moment of recognition by your parents to just be like, no, he uh, I feel like there's a there's an outlet he needs. So let's harness this and put it into something productive like gymnastics. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I knew I was not cut out for gymnastics when <laughs> my parents enrolled me and I was too scared to go over the low bar. <laughs> you're like, like not for me day one not just just flip upside down i'm like no and they're like you know maybe this isn't the best sport for him <laughs> yeah. so I, i'll tell you what you know i when i got started i wasn't the most talented kid in the world i actually I had very really? little talent um i wasn't the strongest kid the fastest kid the one thing that i had that most kids didn't i was literally afraid of nothing like i had zero fear obviously from climbing a pole 25 feet right. yeah. <laughs> and um you know, I struggled in the sport for many, many years. I, I, I wasn't one of those guys that had a lot of success right away. And, um, you know, I loved it so much that I stuck with it. And I actually I didn't win my first competition for 12 years until I was almost 16 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Was there any point before you were 16 in, in competing where you were like, no, I, I, think, I think I can do this. I think I'm going to be at an elite level. Or up till that point, did you – I mean, what, what was it that kept you going? So when I was 10, I watched my very first Olympic Games. And that was in 1996 when they had it in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, the moment that sticks out in my head, like my pivotal moment in my career, was watching the women's gymnastics team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they were known as the Magnificent Seven. And I was glued to the TV. And what I remember best was watching the very end of the competition. Gold medal was on the line. They needed one more person to land her final vault. This girl's name was Carrie Strug. Yeah, you guys yeah. remember Carrie yeah. Strug from the Olympics? Sure. Yeah. So if Carrie landed her final vault, 
they win gold. If she doesn't, they don't get a medal. But the problem was, before her vault, she broke her ankle. Yep. And so she was forced to go. She wasn't forced, but you could see, like, the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she was in agony with a broken ankle. She runs down this runway, does this crazy vault, lands on one foot. And the place went nuts. Yep. And so as a kid, when I saw that and I watched, you know, famous coach Bella Caroli, you can do it. He, like, picked her up and <laughs> put her on the podium. And the rest of the team came up. They all got their medals. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I have no idea how. Right. But I'm going to go figure this out. And so I was just inspired by the moment. And, I, you know, I wasn't the best guy. I wasn't winning any trophies or medals or anything. But I just always had that in the back of my mind. Like, okay, I'm going to become an Olympian. I'm going to become an Olympian. And – as I went throughout my career, I just always had that vision in my head, and I couldn't get it out. And, you know, I just I just kept pushing through every day. Yeah, I think it's interesting that there, there's these moments because it's been 22 years since Carrie Strzok did that, and I go back and I watch it on YouTube, and that still gives me chills because I was 18 at that point. Like, that was – it was huge. Like, that's right. such a pivotal moment in American sports history, not just Olympics history. But then you look at, you know, you have Sean White doing stuff in the Winter Olympics, this Chloe Kim kid that – was phenomenal right. and it's it's interesting I, I even get chills thinking about it now because i'm not i'm not the most patriotic person but it's just like those moments of, <laughs> of national those moments of national pride that just speak to you on our, our nation not for me <laughs> <laughs> that's just really casual but, but every four years yeah but it's <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's those magical moments that unites us to, you know from whether you're four ten eighteen or fifty years old and it's really cool that like those moments affect us all whether it's to inspire you to to be like i'm going to do that or just to have the moments where, where you admire someone's athletic ability or their perseverance to, to deal with the adversity of a broken bone mm -hmm. you know and, and god knows what she went through or, or any of those people went through to get to that point it's just that that's that's really cool so when you talk about that moment it's like that's one of my favorite olympic moments ever and for you to mention that is like your inspiration of like I want to do that. It's yeah. like that. That's really really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it drove me my entire career. I mean, I, you know, I never accomplished that ultimate dream of being a gold medalist at the Olympics. Yeah, I got close. Yep. I got yeah. silver, but yep. you know, I think silver and bronze is pretty cool too. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's uh. So when you were going through your career, especially when you weren't winning, and and there was a lot before you started winning your first competitions. What were some of the sacrifices that? Was it a struggle for you to stay with the sport? I know you talked about the passion and playing that memory, but I, you know, there's ups and downs with just about everything. And so how did you kind of persevere through that? What were some of the sacrifices that you knew you would have to make to keep improving? And how, how did your dad and your, both your parents really help shape that? Because I know there are a lot of parents that are like driven or like you're going to keep doing it. And there's others that are like, yeah, you want to quit? You want to quit? That's fine. But you got to – I feel like almost you got to find that balance. So I'm curious how your parents – Yeah, so, you. you know, there's a few parts to that question. The first part I'll answer is what did my parents do? Right. M the best thing my parents ever did was they, they laid low. They really – they never pushed me. Mm -hmm. They never forced me. If anything, my mom would see me come home with, like, a big blister on my hand or I'd be tired. Or I'd have a huge bruise on me. She'd be like, you know, honey, you can quit when you – anytime you want. You don't have to do this. And I was always like – why? She's like, it's really expensive to keep you in this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always just like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to do it, sure. you know, and my parents never pushed me. And I, so what I do for a living now is I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker. I do a lot of corporate speaking. I go to schools and it's inevitable. I always have a parent that stands up in the back and goes, uh, I, you know, I got my kid in gymnastics recently and he just started and I've got him five days a week and he's doing a private lesson on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What else can I do to help him along and become an Olympian like you? 
I'm always like, leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Like you've got them in doing way too much right away. And so a sport like gymnastics, I think sports in general, if you want, well, you know what? Not even just sports, life in general. Mm -hmm. If you want to do something, if you want to be a business owner or a doctor or a lawyer, if you've got somebody like barking at you to go do it and it's not from your heart, you're probably not going to succeed in a way that you could if it just comes from within. Mm -hmm. And so my mom and dad always just kind of loved on me, cared about me. And, uh, you know, after a bad competition, they'd be like, you know, my dad, he was so funny. Uh, All right, son, so uh, that didn't go so well, did it? And I'd be like, (laughs) nope, sure didn't. Daddy goes, you want to talk about it? Nope. All right, cool, son. Let's go get some McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know, but, you know, my mom was a little more involved. But I think the best thing they ever did was just not push me. And there there were several times, to answer the first part of your question, I wanted to quit quite a bit. And, um it all, again, back to the Olympics in 96, I always just got that, that moment back in my head that kept me going. And there were two times in my career that I actually really, really considered just like hanging it up. The first time one was, was uh, I was 11 years old. A year after watching my first Olympics, I actually started improving pretty dramatically because it's like I had my vision. Like I knew what I wanted. So I started really focusing in the gym. And I got to go to this really cool competition called the Future Stars Nationals. And what was cool about it, they invited 50 boys from around the country. They were going to take the top 15, and they were going to make the, f- the first level of basically the national team. So there's the Future Stars national team, the junior national team, the senior national team, and then the Olympic team. Okay. So there's levels of it in gymnastics. So this was like the first stepping stone to becoming an Olympian. So I get so to the, the goal. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but the goal of all these levels is to develop athletes and give them the chance to compete to, At to the, and get make it to the next level. Okay, yeah. Okay. Cool. So uh, this was like my first big competition. I told myself I've got to be top 15, and if I don't, like, how can I ever become an Olympian if I don't make the first level of a national team? Right. And so I go to that competition. I'm feeling pretty good, feeling confident. I end up getting dead last. I got mm. 50th place. Wow. And. Uh, you know, I was pretty devastated. I ended up falling like six times on my last event, which was the pommel horse. And, um, you know, I, at the end of that, I was like, well, that's it. I'm never going to become an Olympian. Like, I just done. I, I'm only 11 years old. I can't accomplish anything. And I just was so hard on myself. And I finally removed my head from my rear end. <laughs> and I kept going. But what's really cool about this was, you know, many years down the road, out of all 50 of those boys, only one of them became an Olympic medalist. Wow. That was the kid that got dead last. Wow. And so I just plugged away with it. Yeah. And the other time was <laughs> I've not only did I start my career last, but I've also I've got a few interesting stats. I've got more second place finishes than anyone in men's gymnastics in history. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I also led my team to the worst performance in international history at a world championships. Oh, wow. Which was 13th place. Oof. I went to my first world championships ever in 2006. I bombed. I fell on every single event. And I don't know why the coaches kept me in the competition. I think it was because they had no other choice. Like, they couldn't just mm. bring in a reserve athlete be like, sure. get him out of here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have fallen flat so many times and failed, like, way worse than, like, most athletes in my sport. And it really, again, it c- came down to, you know, I just kept pushing forward. I never had anybody else push me besides myself. My coaches even knew they didn't need to push me because I was so hard on myself already. So, um you know, that's the best advice that I can give parents is if your kids want to do sports, if they want to be involved in something extracurricular, find something that they truly love and allow them to push themselves. And I think it's okay to jump in there and tell them, you know, uh, you know, encourage your kids to want to be great and let them, you know, 
you know, let them be around other athletes and maybe that'll like, get that spark. But I really don't think that you can push someone mm. to become an Olympian or a professional right. athlete. Mm. They have to want it. You really have to want it. And I've seen parents burn their kids out because they want it more than them. It just doesn't work. Right. You know, there was um, – I don't remember – my wife's going to kill me. She's an Olympic nut. And <laughs> we were watching the Winter Olympics, and there was a story, and I don't remember. I feel like it was somebody who was skating – skating, skiing. Jeez. She's They're both in the Winter Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was bad. But anyway, so there was a, a video package about her, and she was talking about, like, I always did this. I was always doing this as a kid and all this. And it almost felt like kind of a similar story that you hear, uh, like the, the parent in the back of the auditorium. I've got them in five days a week. And she said, I was burnt out. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I stepped back from the sport, and then I went, no, I do want to do it, but on my terms. And she came back, and she competed in the Olympics. And 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 I don't remember who this – I'll remember, like, an hour later. But I just remember hearing that story, and that's what's so inspiring. And it plays to what you're saying about her parents were supportive of her in whatever she wanted to do. She was pushing herself, and she knew she needed to step back. But you do see a lot of parents that are like, I've got him in anytime the gym's open. And, you know, we're there all night, and it's like – there's burnout. I know I did hockey for years and my parents were supportive, but there was a lot of like get in the rink every single time it's open. And I burned out, you know, my parents were like go to Minnesota, do this. And I went, Nope, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. And it, and they weren't even super involved, but it's, I can only imagine, but yeah, that is fantastic advice of just let your kids be and just kind of support them, but be there for them. Yeah. And you know, the one thing to add to the end of that sure. is, you know, I'm, I've got two kids, my son's four, my daughter's two. I, I'm going to be the same as my parents in the sense that I'm going to let them be. But I will step in if I find them being lazy. Sure. If I find my kids don't want to be involved in anything and my son just wants to play video games all day, I will encourage him. Like, I'll make him go find something he's right. passionate right. about. Right. You know, I think there's so many kids today that are stuck on their cell phones and their iPads and their video games. I think it's really important to go get involved in something. Sure. Not only for the sport or whatever it is, but just for – for relationship building yep. and character building, there's so many good reasons to get involved in something outside of school and home. Go do something yep. else. It really will build you into a great person. Yeah. Well, I, th I think that, that that extends to a, a mistake that I think a lot of parents make and that I've made myself is you you want your you want to avoid your kids failing. You don't want your kids to fail, and so it, it's a, a natural inclination to want to strong arm them in a direction. Instead of giving them the occasional nudge, it's okay for kids to make mistakes. It's okay for them to fail. It's okay for them to catastrophically fail, mm -hmm. as long as we're there as the support and not the hard line guidance. Like you have to do this, you have yeah. to do that, right. and they have to have that exp that burnout moment where you want you realize I want to do this or no, I want to do something else. And right. you know, just just that just reiterates that for me of like I have a, a five year old that it's. You know, she has so many different interests, and it's like, let her figure, I'm, you know, I like to let her figure that out. That way she's passionate about it. It may be the most, it may be the silliest thing, but as long as it makes her happy and she has that passion, then awesome. I love what you said, though, about just a nudge. Yeah. And that's yeah. really what it comes down to. Just give them a little bit of a nudge and some encouragement yeah. to go and want to, like, and, you know, for me, my son, he's already seen daddy, videos of daddy at the Olympics. Right. And so I didn't want to, like, pour that onto him and be like, you've got to go be an Olympian. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> this is the family trait. Yeah, so like, <laughs> if you're not an Olympian, you failed us. No. But like, he's seen videos of daddy and he's seen, you know, my wife was an elite level gymnast as well. Never made it to the Olympics, but she was very good. You know, she was a scholarship athlete at the University of Oklahoma. That's where we met. And, uh, but he already in his own brain, he goes, well, daddy, I want to be like you. I want to go to the Olympics. Right. 
And I'm never, ever going to say, like, you have to, but it's like, hey, buddy, if you really want to do this, you know, you're going to, you know, when he's like 10 or 11 years old, if he's doing gymnastics, I'll give him a little bit of a nudge. Hey, remember when you said you wanted to go to the Olympics? Right. Well, here's what you got to do. Yeah. I'm not going to force you to do it. Sure. But here's just a little tidbit. Yeah. You know, you just, I love that. It's a perfect way. Just yeah. nudge him. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about <clears throat> it seems like just looking out or looking from outside in that men's gymnastics versus women's gymnastics, the timetables are a little bit different. And I know that, so my wife did dance forever. And so with dance, you know, a lot of times for women, you have to start like two, three years old and go all the way up. And then for guys, like there was a guy she went to school with that started in college and then became like this huge company dancer. Just, he had the right build for it, got injured from football and was like, well, I want to do something athletic and did that. So what are the kind of for people who are looking and have different kids, what's kind of like a timetable for them to get their kids involved since you have both? So obviously, you know, gymnastics is a lot like dance where most of the time, the earlier they start, the better mm -hmm. to really build a foundational strength and flexibility. Right. And, you know, it, it really is, you know, I'm not biased or anything, but it's a, to me, it's the toughest sport in the world. Sure. Um, you know, it, there's just such a ridiculous foundation that has to be developed to become great but you know i had a, co a college teammate that started when he was 13 years old mm -hmm. he was a full scholarship athlete to the university of oklahoma and was amazing all american everything but that's rare right so mm -hmm. you typically want to start your kids you know four five six you know even seven years old isn't too late but um you know you put them into a program where you feel comfortable with the coaches where you're you're happy with the gym and just see if they are having fun Sure. And if they're having fun, then they'll stick with it for a while. But I'll tell you what, you know, I know we're talking a lot about gymnastics. There's this new thing called Ninja Warrior, yes. which I'm heavily involved <laughs> yes. in. And a lot of times kids, you know, they start gymnastics at a young age and they, get, they start to get burned out. Or you figure out if a kid's going to last or not around the age 10, 11, 12. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's really cool is Ninja Warrior is such a great sport for kids that get burned out in gymnastics to then mm -hmm. go like kind of transfer over to or diving you know sure. a lot of gyms become divers and so um a, a lot of these gyms are starting to put ninja warrior programs okay. and so kids are going to these gymnastics facilities for ninja and then you're discovering gymnasts and some of the gymnasts are discovering ninja so it's just like really synergy yeah, yeah, yeah. synergistic you know really so um yeah no, i know i know i'm a long-winded talker over here but yeah no, you know i'm just passionate yeah. about both of the sports yeah no that's awesome i uh my daughter loves Ninja Warrior, and I built her an obstacle course in our backyard last year. And so I'll have to show you. Would you come build me one? Because I would like one too. <laughs> oh well, yeah, no, it's it was, you would probably it was, destroy <laughs> it was, daughter. It was two-year-old uh, level course, size, yeah. like so, no, close, to, so awesome. close to my size, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Can we get a video of you competing against his daughter on yes. that course? That yeah. would be hilarious. Perfect. Yeah. No, uh, so I, I wanted to ask before we end this episode because, as Joe mentioned at the top, we are going to get into actually more Ninja Warrior stuff next episode mm -hmm. and, and sort of um, how your perspective as a parent now that you have kids but I was wondering if you could take us from the point where you finished 50 50th in the competition you told us about all the way through to, through to becoming an Olympic medalist and then being part of the Olympic broadcasting team what was your road like through from from point a to b to c to yeah, it was, a, it was a roller coaster of emotion is what it was, you know, and, you know, when I was a kid and that, that happened to me, you know, you get dead last and, I mean, talk about discouraging when you think right. you're going to become an Olympian. And, uh, you know, I just, I kept plugging away. I finally won my first, you know, kind of important competition around the age of 16. And uh, then I, I won a couple more and then I won a couple more. It's like a snowball effect. It's like, okay, I've arrived. 
And then uh, I ended up getting a full scholarship to the University, University of Oklahoma. Uh, went there in 2004 and graduated in 2009. Uh, I know, I was on the, you know, because of a few different things that happened. I was on the, yeah, I know, it took me a while to graduate. <laughs> Anyways, but um, yeah, so at the, you know, in my sophomore year, I made it to the World Championships where I led my team to that horrible 13th place finish. And then in <laughs> and then 2008, when I was a senior in college, um, that's when I made my first Olympics. And so... You know, I had a lot of success in my first Olympics. It was a great experience. I won a couple medals, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> I had a lot. I won a couple of Olympic medals. <laughs> yeah. and it was. Yeah. I mean, so it, was, it, was, it was pretty it, cool. It was good. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Yeah. It was good. You know, I'm not going to hold it against the Chinese guy that beat me on high bar for the gold. But um, <laughs> I tell you what, though, your high bar routine, like I, I watched it live then, and I rewatched it just recently this week, and it's man. I don't know how you don't give gold medal. I'm not trying to blow smoke, but it's just it was it was on point. It, it was, was good. a it was a really controversial yep. yeah. finish. Sure. You know, a lot of people thought that I should have won. But one there's so one of my heroes in the sport, a guy named Jordan Jovchev from Bulgaria. In two thousand four, like the crowd went crazy. He did this ring routine that was phenomenal. And he was without a doubt, in my opinion, the greatest ring worker ever. The guy was a beast. And he ended up getting second place. The Olympics was in Athens, Greece, and a Greek guy beat him. Mm. And the crowd like even the Greek crowd booed the finish wow. because they everyone knew Jordan should have won. And a moment that stuck in my head forever, still does, is they got in the camera got in Jordan's face and he said, "Jordan, everyone thinks you should have won. How do you feel?" And he said, "Ah, I needed to be better." And instead of being like, "Yeah, forget that guy. I can't believe that happened," and throwing a fit, right. he just you know took it for what it was, held himself accountable. You know, there were a couple things that he could have done better, but it shouldn't have made a difference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had that same thought in my head. Okay, maybe I just needed to be a little bit better. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I'm never, like, really, I always joke about, you know, never going to, you know, get over that moment of barely mi missing out becoming an Olympic champion. But, you know, it's it's okay. Like, it's not a big deal. I know I did my best job. I know I, I, I was there. I got to compete at the Olympics, and I did win two medals. Yep. It was a really cool thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, then I got to go to the uh, another Olympics. I was the captain of the 2012 Olympic team. And then I was actually training for a third Olympics in 2016, and nine months before the Games, I was in, like, the best shape of my entire life. And I blew out my left shoulder while I was training. And um, that's when I was asked to come be a broadcaster for NBC. And so it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I got hurt. I always wanted to go do something like that. Sure. Obviously, would have loved to compete in the Olympics again right. and then still get invited <laughs> right. to go be a broadcaster right. later. But, yeah, so, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a man of faith. I believe everything happens for a reason, and God's got a perfect plan for me, but— you know, now I've transitioned into the Ninja Warrior thing, and, you know, I've just, like, I've lived this crazy life where now I get to sit here and talk to you guys. So, yep. uh, you know. <laughs> oh, boy, it yeah. was all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all been fun, and there's good and there's bad, and you just have to learn how to soak in the great moments and then learn from the bad ones. There you go. That's Excellent. Guys, I think that's an awesome place probably for us to end for this, this, this yep. segment. Yep. Yeah, and – uh, we'll we'll delve more into like we said your perspective on being a dad this next episode and we want to get all the details on uh, on your your time with Ninja Warrior That's and right. everything. Uh, so let's take a break here, guys, and we'll be back with America's favorite segment, Dad Joke. back with America's favorite segment, Dad Joke of the Week. That's right. And with this week's Dad Joke, go on. Why did the two... Uh, 
Wow. I should be fired. I'm Fantastic. fired. Fantastic. That's right. You yes. are fired. That's a great but yes. Just before you leave, go ahead and <laughs> tell us the gym. Why did the chicken go to the gym? Why? To work on his pecs. <laughs> to work on his pecs. Ooh, that was great. That was yeah. Galan with this week's dad joke of the week. Guys, we're winding down, and what we do, Jonathan, at every at the end of every episode of the Detox Podcast, is we play a little game called the Hashtag Game, That's where right. Joe will share with us some hashtags based off of things that happened during today's episode, and then we will all vote as to which will be the official episode hashtag that is true. of this episode. You mean the pound key game? Yes, yeah. the, the pound, pound key. key. Pound yes, key thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I am uh, I'm adding that as a late entry. <laughs> Hashtag pound key game. Yes. Hashtag pound key game. I like it. I like it. That might be it. I am uh, okay. So we've got this week on tap. Uh, hashtag Mowgli did. Hashtag just a nudge. And hashtag pound key game. I got to go pound key game. Oh. <laughs> I, I'll on, the, on the fly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on the fly. You just improvise that. That's there how that's how talented you are. Guys, I should come back. You all should. The time. Every, every, yeah, will every, you come back at the end of every episode <laughs> to be like, this is what we should come? Yeah. I'm going to go for hashtag pound key game. All right, Jonathan? Uh, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, all right, let's make a clean sweep. <laughs> hashtag pound key game. There it is, ladies and germs. Go on. How can people connect with us? They can go to Detox Podcast, which is D-T-A-L-K-S podcast.com. You can get uh, all of our social media there. And if it's not on there, you can search for us under Detox Podcast. You'll find a link there to our Patreon, where for as little as $2 a month, you can get access to all of our bonus content, one of which will be from our guest Jonathan today. That's right. Um, you can also listen to us on The Vocal Now. That's V-O-K-A-L now.com. Download The Vocal app. Listen to us on iTunes, Google Play. Um, Spotify, Yep. Um, a lot of different places to digest us. Um, but even if you don't want to do all that, if you just want to go to iTunes and subscribe, so you, you, it'll be on your phone for you to listen to should you feel so inclined. Uh, you can do that and leave a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate That's it. That's right. And Mr. Horton, how can people get in touch with you? So you can follow me on all sorts of social media. So I'm on Instagram, jhorton11, and then I'm also on Twitter at j underscore horton11, and then you can follow my fan page on Facebook, Unless you're really, really cool, and you can follow my personal page, but I probably won't <laughs> accept you. <laughs> nice, nice. Just you can try Just right throwing that out there. Look, yes. if you get rejected, there's uh, another avenue. That's you right. Can yeah. still and, follow and the page. You can catch him on the upcoming season of American Ninja Warrior, season that's right. ten, which will be out this summer. Make sure and check it out. And he's got some really cool T-shirts. I'm sure he'll be. Uh, yes. So I am. Selling. I've got my own logo now, which I'm wearing it right now. It it's is. A, nice. So one we'll of the things I do every time I go up the warped wall. Since I'm the shortest person that's ever done it, I can't help but you know look at the host of the show. They're sitting right there, and right. I, I throw them a little flex, and I've got some crazy biceps. This so, is true. Um, <laughs> and I had somebody tell me they were like, "You need to brand your biceps. Those things are freaky looking." Yeah, they and I was are. like, "You know what? I think I will." So it's a JH with a guy flexing his biceps on a warped wall. There it is. Um, so nice. yeah, I, uh, I'm not. They're not for sale yet, but they'll be up on my website, JonathanHorton.net, probably in the next month or so. Very nice. Cool, cool. There you go. All right, refresh me. Refresh me on this pound key game, right? Is yes. that what we're talking about? I don't All know. Right. What do we do with the pound key game? Um, hashtag pound key game. Hashtag, hashtag pound key, key game. Uh, <laughs> just, just this, guys. Thank you for listening. We appreciate <laughs> it. And we'll be back next week with more Jonathan Horton as we jump into his experiences with being a father. And until then, remember, hashtag pound key game <laughs> and hashtag be a better day. Special thanks to John and Eddie for supporting the podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.